Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide, does a certain job sound interesting to them? And if yes, how do they go about exploring it further? Now, on today's show, we are going to be talking about growth in tech. And this is a very hot and up and coming area in tech. You find this role in a lot of startups and mid-sized companies and sometimes even larger tech companies. And generally, someone in growth thinks about what are the various strategies the company can use to really accelerate its growth. And this can be growth in the number of its users or in revenue or the number of repeat subscribers and so on. So to really help us understand this area, our guest on today's show is Shoji Yoeki, and Shoji is the head of growth and sales with a Silicon Valley-based company called Order Ahead. Order Ahead, if you check out its Wikipedia page, is an on-demand logistics company that enables people to order pickup and delivery takeout food from local merchants. And Order Ahead really has a very, very marquee team behind it. It is a Y Combinator alum, and the list of its investors includes Adam D'Angelo, who is the founder of Quora, and also the former CTO of Facebook, Eric Schmidt, who is the chairman of Google, and so on. Coming to Shoji himself, uh, he seems to have tried a lot of things actually. So he spent some time in consulting. He was a consultant with Oliver Wyman. He also worked at a hedge fund for a while. So he was an associate with Bridgewater Associates. And then after getting his MBA, he moved into tech. So he worked as the director of user growth at another San Francisco-based startup called Kiwi. And then more recently, he's been working as the head of growth and sales at Order Ahead. In terms of his educational background, Shoji has a bachelor's in systems engineering and a BS in economics from University of Pennsylvania. And he also has an MBA in entrepreneurial management, marketing and operations from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. So I really hope you enjoy today's discussion. You'll find that Shoji shares a number of great examples from his personal work experience, which really, really illustrate this role very well. A uh, quick note before we get into the discussion, uh, if you check out our website at learneducatediscover.com, you'll find that our current resource of the month is a sample cover letter, which can be very useful for budding management consultants, as this is a cover letter which was used by a business school student which helped him get interview calls from all the top management consulting firms. So if any of you is interested in recruiting for consulting firms, then this might be a good resource to check out. So anyway, I hope you find today's discussion helpful and let's dive right into it. Hey Shoji, hi, how are you? Hi, good, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. I realize that I'm bothering you while you're on vacation. <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> And it's interesting. So I we, we spoke a while ago when I was myself looking to switch jobs. And at that time, you were head of growth, just growth at Order Ahead. And it seems that you're doing growth, growth and sales now. Yeah, yeah. So I joined Order Ahead um, to lead growth. And then um, I guess several months ago, um, ended up taking on sales as well. Okay. Um, kind of at Order Ahead, they're very kind of interrelated in a lot of ways. So it was a good natural fit. I see. Okay. Yeah, because generally, I mean, that's not the rule, right? That growth and sales have to be the same? Uh, definitely not the rule. Um, you know, a lot of times they are separate. But, um, I, you know, it's not super unusual either, I would say. I see. I, I guess especially for B2B companies where you, mm -hmm. you're selling to other businesses. 
Right, right. Yeah. yeah. You might have somebody in charge of um, like sales and marketing, um, right. for example. Right, right. Okay, makes sense. All right. Yeah. So let's just dive right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path so far? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you probably did a better job than I could. <laughs> but uh, so I'm, you know, as you mentioned, I'm currently at Orderhead, uh, which is an on-demand restaurant pickup and delivery app. And I've been there for about a year and a half. And like we just mentioned, I lead growth and sales there. So basically, growth at Orderhead is focused on users, um, acquiring users and retaining them, um, getting them to order via Orderhead a lot. And sales at Orderhead is focused on merchants or restaurants. And we're basically trying to sell to them to get them on the platform. And so we use you know, a variety of different tactics and things like that for both of those. Um, before Orderhead, I was at Kiwi, yeah. which is a mobile gaming app, a mobile gaming startup, and um, you know led uh, user growth over there as well. Um, and before that, you know both of us, we were kind of at Warren together, uh, right. getting yeah. our MBA. Yeah. And prior to business school, uh, I worked in um, at Oliver Wyman Management Consulting, um, and then also Bridgewater. That's right. Yeah, I mean you really. Ha- tried everything possible well not everything possible but quite a lot of things uh (laughs) what attracted you to tech and specifically startups while you were in business school yeah so before business school um you know as i mentioned i had done consulting and investing basically and you know while i learned a ton from that it was very intellectual stimulating it was it was a really good experience in a lot of ways what was missing for me in that experience was the opportunity to really own something and really be a part of helping to grow a business um, and kind of making all that happen, right? So I knew from that point that I wanted to um, be more of an operator type of role or be more of an owner. Right. Um, so that attracted me more towards this type of role. Um, and then, you know, tech and startups, I also wanted to be somewhere smaller as well uh, because you can be a bigger, big, bigger piece of making that happen. Yeah, that's true. Because I saw on your LinkedIn that you interned with LinkedIn. Actually, I saw on your LinkedIn that I that you interned. <laughs> yeah, but you were like during your MBA, you were at LinkedIn, right? And I guess you decided that big companies are not for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a great experience there. It's a great company. Um, but, uh, you know, I realized for me, at least now that I want to be somewhere a little yeah, bit smaller. Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. I mean, you hear that from a lot of people who are at startups that it's mainly because of the sense of ownership and the amount of impact you can have given the size of the company. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it's an amazing experience to be backed by such amazing investors, right? Because, like, do you see that that has made a difference in just like, you know, what you learn, the kind of stuff you get to do? Uh. I don't know if it makes a huge difference in terms of day-to-day, just operating and things like that. I think it's, you know, to some extent, a stamp of confidence that someone's willing to give you money. Um, And, you know, of course, the the money helps as well. But in terms of the day-to-day, you know, I think it's it's really just grinding away and trying to um, make things happen. Right, right. All right. So let's get to order ahead then. And you gave uh, you gave us a little bit of an intro to what you're doing at order ahead, which is that mm. there is the user side where you're trying to get users to use order ahead more and more to order food and get their food delivered. And then there's the merchant side where you're trying to get them to uh, how do merchants interact with order ahead? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, order ahead, we want to make it really easy for um, individuals to order from restaurants, right? Um, whether it's for pickup or for delivery. And 
On the pickup side, what that means is that, you know, if you wanted to order lunch, for example, um, we want to make it really easy for you to be able to use your, your you know, iPhone or Android app, um, see all the restaurants that are available in the area, um, order from the app, pay for it so that when you walk into the restaurant, um, say 15 minutes later, the, the meal is ready for you. It's paid for and you can just grab it and go. On the delivery side, it's, it's similar, except that, um, you know, we have drivers who will kind of deliver the food to you. Um, so, you know, of course, for this kind of marketplace, um, it's really important for us to have both sides. Uh, we need a lot of users to be ordering the food and also a lot of um, a great restaurant selection um, so that the users um, can order from the restaurants they want to order from. Uh, so that's where the, that sales and merchant acquisition side comes in. Gotcha. Right. So you have to go to each of these restaurants and ask them that, hey, can I list you on my app and give me the information to list on the app? Right, right. Okay. All right. So yeah. uh, before I get... And that's also how we uh, um, kind of make money as well by, you know, charging them a commission for it. Yeah. So if, if I order the food, let's say I order $10 worth of food and the commission is 2%, then order ahead will keep $2. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. The 20 cents, yeah. I, oh, that's right. <laughs> Oh, wow. my math sucks. <laughs> we, we, we wish it was $2. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I would love to understand understand that in more detail. But before we do that, just can you tell us a little bit about what is even meant by working in growth? Yeah. So, you know, I think growth conceptually is sort of a role of the company that's just laser focused on um, trying to make the company grow. Right. Um, and, you know, any kind of startup, Obviously, they're, they, they want to be able to grow um, as quickly as possible and also the uh, kind of bigger companies out there as well. And, you know, growth is, I think, the one team that's um, just very, very focused on that. And I guess exactly what that means depends a lot on the company. Mm. Um, so, for example, um, you know, the, the goal in terms of growth could be revenues. It could be um, orders. It could be getting a lot of new users. It could be getting paying users. Um, and whatever that is, is really just dependent on the company and the stage they're at and what their, you know, kind of individual company goal is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, regardless of what it is, like the growth person, the growth team is very focused on that. And, you know, of course, a big part of growing or getting more revenues or orders or whatever it is, is first getting customers, right? So for order head, that means, um, you know, acquiring users, people like you or me, to, to learn about order ahead and to want to order from them. Mm. Um, then it means after acquiring the user, um, retaining them and getting them to order on and on. Yeah. Um, and so growth is really a lot of the tactics that go into trying to make that happen. Yeah. No, and um, I guess this mm-hmm. is the classic two-sided market problem, right? So I'm not sure at what stage you join order ahead, but like from a user perspective, I'm not going to come in unless I see a good restaurant selection. And from a restaurant's mm-hmm. pers- perspective, I, I, your app is not interesting to me unless and until uh, there are a lot of users on the app. So how did you solve that? Yeah, so I, I think I, I was probably a little bit lucky and I joined Orderhead um, a little bit after a lot of that major problem was solved at least in the kind of the core markets, but it is a thing that we had to deal with um, in some of the um, other, the newer markets that we um, expanded to. Um, And, you know, it's, it's a thing that's, um, yeah, it's a big part of any kind of two-sided, two-sided market, just balancing that. Um, For us, a lot of it is in any given um, kind of new market, um, we will try to sell into it pretty aggressively before we even launch. 
right? So, you know, going to sell the merchants and telling them, you know, we're going to launch this market in a couple of weeks or whatever it is um, and try to get a lot of them ready for that. I see. Okay. So you, but, uh, so your goal would be to first get all the merchants, as many merchants as you, as you can, and then you launch it to users. Yeah. I mean, at least an initial base of merchants mm-hmm. um, to make it attractive enough. But then even after that, even after launch, you know, the, the more merchants we have, the better product is for the users. And obviously the more users we have, the more merchants are going to sure. be happy. Sure. Um, so they kind of feed on themselves a little bit and it's a little bit of a balancing act as well. Yeah. Yeah. So and, like, why would a merchant say no? Can you share some of the challenges you might, you might face when you're reaching out to merchants in this initial phase when you don't have users to show? What are the kind of questions mm. that they might ask? Yeah, I think a lot of it is a lot of them want the distribution and the marketing and all that and the access to users. Uh, a lot of them don't necessarily want to pay for it or want to pay a lot for it, yeah. which which is understandable. Um, I think especially on the pickup side, a lot will feel that, you know, that we might be cannibalizing users that would order from them anyway. I see. Right. So, you know, they're like, oh, why does a user have to, you know, order via your app? Why can't they just come in? to my to my restaurant and order you know from me in person that's right yeah Um, okay that makes sense and so the onus on us is to try to convince them that you know one is just a much more convenient experience for their customers um, which is going to make their customers more loyal want to order from them more often and and all that and also at the same time help them attract new users that they otherwise uh, wouldn't have gone access to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And then going to the definition of growth that you said, uh, which is that it could be growth in either revenue or new orders or paying users, etc, etc. So Mm -hmm. can you share an example of the thought process that you might have used in coming up with whatever goals you had identified for growth Mm -hmm. at order ahead? Um, Yeah, I think I mean, to be honest, a lot of it comes from um, the company goal, or the company strategy. Yeah. Right. And so at Orderhead, we we did change it a little bit um, over time. So, for example, when I first started the company, um, a lot of the company was very focused on getting orders. Mm-hmm. Right. So we were very focused on how many orders are we going to get every day. Right. And that was kind of our North Star for um, for the company and for the growth team. Um, and then after a while, um, you know, what we kind of realized was that it's great to get a lot of orders, um, but if those orders are, um, you know, not of a large size, if they're not uh, very economical or profitable, it's not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of switched it a little bit uh, to something that was more based on kind of revenue um, as a top line, and then also gross profits. I see. Um, so gross profits is basically, you know, taking the money that the uh, customer is paying. And then netting out the amount that we're giving to, um, you know, like restaurants and uh, drivers, right. which yeah. those are the, the kind of the main costs. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So can you share examples of some very interesting growth tactics that you may have worked on at Order Ahead? Uh, yeah, sure. So I think, you know, in general, there's a lot of different growth things out there and growth strategies. Yeah, I would kind of bucket them into different things, right? So you know, for example, there are a big bucket would be like paid acquisition, right? So advertising on different places, then there's um, kind of more SEO or content strategy. And then there's, you know, kind of referrals, or like a more viral strategy, trying to use your users to get other users to go there. Um, 
And um, I think at Orderhead, um, a big part of our strategy was actually trying to actually get merchants on board and then trying to use their online presence. Um, so for example, you know, we, we sign a, a restaurant um, and they have a website um, and we would try to get um, order head ordering capabilities on their website so that when one of, one of their customers comes or somebody else who's looking at the restaurant comes um, and goes to that webpage, they realize that they can order from them via order head. Oh, interesting. Right? But so, why would a customer mm-hmm. agree to that? Because, I mean, if they're already on the restaurant's mm-hmm. website, the, so the distribution mm-hmm. problem wasn't solved by order ahead. It was solved by the restaurant's website. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, so there's uh, there's two things. Um, you know, one, it, it, is, it, was, it was kind of a unique thing. Um, and it does, for their customers, um, make it, you know, much more convenient for them. To, to be able to order from the restaurant. And, you know, a lot of times they might order when they otherwise wouldn't. Um, another thing we actually did was that not all restaurants have websites, right? You can just okay. think of a lot of the kind of smaller mom and pop type of shops. Mm. And a big part of our strategy was, has also been to build websites for those restaurants that also have ordering capabilities for them. And wow. we do it uh, on a complimentary basis, um, if they're kind of signed okay, up for very us. Cool. Okay. So for those ones, especially we're giving them, um, an online presence that they otherwise didn't have so that people can discover them, um, and then be able to order from them as well. That's a great idea. Okay. So they were like, mm-hmm. well, okay, I get a website with all of this. Why not? And it, and you said you you were doing this for free for them. Yes. Okay. And did you guys yes. have sort of an exclusivity clause that if we build this website for you, you can only have order ahead as the ordering, widget or whatever app on your website? Uh, a lot of that stuff kind of just differ depending on um, the specific okay. uh, merchant and all that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, this is great. So tell us more. So either on the merchant side or on the user side, what other kind of growth strategies did you use? Yeah. So, so that was a big part of the strategy. Um, and, you know, a lot of that, you know, was, for the ones where we're building it ourselves, um, you know, of course, you had to first build it and put ordering capabilities on that. Uh, but then we also had to get it to uh, basically rank right on, say, Google, so that when you um, search for, you know, ABC restaurants, hmm. um, that it's that 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 website's going to show up at the top of Google search, so that you can discover it and order from it and all that. Um, so, a big part of the strategy was also employing those different um, SEO kind of strategies and tactics uh, to be able to do that. Um, other types of things that we did were, you know, paid advertising. Um, so we would advertise on, um, you know, places like Google AdWords or Facebook um, so that, you know, say on on uh, Google, especially if we didn't have uh, kind of a website with ordering capabilities, if you search for, you know, ABC restaurant, that you might see an ad for Orderhead that tells you that you can order delivery via order head. Right. And uh, yeah, I also, um, I had done a lot of paid advertising at my uh, previous company as well, um, Kiwi, um, which is in the mobile gaming space. Interesting. Uh, so there's there's that. We did a lot of uh, in-store stuff as well. So, you know, obviously a lot of a restaurant's customers are going into the store on a daily basis and eating in or ordering takeout. Uh, so we would want a decent um, presence in the store as well that lets them know that, Hey, you know, like, hey, next time, uh, rather than having to wait in line, you can order via order head and um, the food will be 
kind of here waiting for you uh, when you arrive. Okay. Um, okay. So, so it's it's more of a convenience that I don't have to go order there and then wait in line. I can just order right now and then go pick it up over there, or it's ready. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so for example, um, you know, one of our biggest uh, merchants is Phil's Coffee. You know, which is a big kind of re- um, coffee chain in San Francisco, yeah. and we are with um, all of their stores, um, you know, NSF and kind of nationwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing where I used to order fills all the time, and they can, you know, it's a really popular place, um, and they have a model where they, you know, make each coffee one at a time. So the the line can take a long time, right? Um, you oh, can that's be waiting right. for yeah. good I had a twenty coffee. minutes. Yeah, no, I had a Phil's coffee close to my place, and it was impossible to get coffee without standing in line for at least half an hour. I, this was yeah, when I was in SF, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, um, actually, before I joined Order Ahead, um, I first learned about Order Ahead because I would go to Phil's Coffee in um, Palo Alto, and you know the lines were crazy there. Yeah. Um, and then I discovered Order Ahead and discovered that I could order it before I left <laughs> the office. Um, and yeah. by the time I got there. It was about a you know a ten minute walk. Uh, it was kind of waiting there on a counter yeah. with my name on it, and I could just grab it and and go. Yeah, and then then you decided to go work for the company because you liked it so much. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, this is these are great ideas. So I, I guess what I'm really curious about is that actually before before I ask you that question, so from a user acquisition perspective, right? There are. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I think about it as a consumer, there are so many apps that I can use to order food. So many of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you did you struggle at all with sort of convincing users why they should order via Order Ahead versus another app? Um, I mean, to be honest, it, on the delivery side, especially, um, it is tough, right? Because it is a very crowded space. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that are, I mean, to be completely honest, doing, you know, very, very similar things. Um, so standing out is, standing out is tough. Yeah. Especially this space. I mean, you hear like, uh, some companies doing very well, but generally the margins are low. So it is, it is a hard industry to be in. Um, right. It's, it's hard enough to, uh, to grow. Um, it's even harder to make money off of it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I would love to understand your thought process here in terms of, so like Shoji comes in, hey, Shoji, you're the head of growth. So now you have to figure out how you're going to grow, right? And mm-hmm. the ideas that you shared are really amazing. But how would you, how did you get to these ideas? What are the kind of questions you ask yourself before you start to think, before you sort of identify that, okay, maybe I should go and partner with Phil's Coffee, or maybe we should sort of do something inside the stores or whatever. How do you, what's that process like? Yeah, so um, so I think when you first, I mean, I, I think I was a little um, lucky in the sense that I came in and it was a company that was established and, you know, had some things going on. Um, but I think the way that I would think about it in general, um, if, you know, I came in and there was nothing, um, is that, you know, one, the first step, I think, is really understanding um, what is the goal, right? And that's that's kind of a growth question, but it's really a company level question of, you know, at this stage for the company, for the startup or whatever it is, um, given we are, given our strategy, are we trying to grow revenue? Are we trying to do something else? Um, who knows, right? Um, really understanding that. And then, um, 
you know, there's a lot of different um, growth strategies and growth um, tactics and things you can do. Um, but I, I think what you really want is to be able to create um, sort of growth loops, right? So okay. growth loops in the sense that um, there are things that can build on each other over time and that can, you know, continually um, bring in new users and help you grow. Um, so something that wouldn't be a, a growth loop, for example, would be, um, say you do, um, like a, a one day promotion, right. Um, that's, that's meant to generate a lot of buzz, right. right? So say like on this day, I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, who knows, uh, some, I'm going to give away a lot of stuff, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And yeah. it's going to give you, um, a, you know, potentially a big one-time boost. It mm -hmm. could be good for PR and all that, um, but it's not going to be something that's going to be sustaining um, forever and ever, right? Right. right. Um, but when you have, when you can, you know, kind of identify and develop a really great growth loop, um, that's something that's going to be self kind of self-sustaining um, sort of forever, right? Um, hopefully at least. Yeah. Um, so for, yeah. an example of that would be, um, you know, you can think of say paid advertising as, as a loop in that sense okay. where, um, you know, you, you say you're advertising on Facebook, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to spend some money. So you only have a little bit of money. Now you're going to spend that. Um, and if you can spend it in a way that whatever users you bring in are going to bring in more revenue than it costs to acquire them, right? Mm -hmm. Then, you know, for every thousand dollars you spend, you're going to have, say, you're going to get $2,000 back, right? right? Yeah. Um, and then now, now after that, you have $2,000 to spend, right? And you can go get more users okay. Okay. who can bring back $4,000. Okay. Okay. Um, and suddenly, you know, over time, right? And if you can, um, you know, do it well and optimize it, um, with that, like, kind of initial thousand dollars, you can end up with um, a lot of users who are bringing in a lot of revenue, Interesting. Does okay. that make sense? Right, right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, basically, you have to use a strategy, which, I mean, mm -hmm. in this case, the sustainability factor that you're referring to is that the net amount that you spent was lower than the the revenue that you got after spending that money. So, it's not like you're spending more mm -hmm. than what you're getting out of those customers. Right, right. right. Exactly, yeah. Okay. That, but yeah. that's and, a very... I mean, Go ahead. Oh, so I was just going to say another example would be, um, you know, kind of like an, a content or like SEO type of strategy. So, think of um, like Yelp, for example, right. right? And a lot of, you know, their business model is based on having a lot of great content, a lot of great reviews about um, basically every restaurant and local business and other types of things out there. Um, and so the more, um, as I get some of that content, it brings in users who are going to contribute more and write reviews, which makes their product better, um, which is going to attract more users. And suddenly you have this very... Um, you know, kind of positive no, that makes sense. Yeah, um, loop yeah. that built on itself. That's a great example. Because I was going to ask you, you know, th this growth loop ex uh, mm -hmm. sort of thing sounds very, very interesting. And now mm -hmm. that you mentioned it makes a lot of sense that you mm -hmm. want to invest in something which can over a period, of, a period of time sort of become like this nice uh, thing mm -hmm. that just keeps working on its own. You don't have to sort of put any effort into it. So now Yelp has so much content mm -hmm. that even if they stop doing something mm -hmm. for a while, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that content will be very useful for a long period of time, right? So can you exactly, share, yeah. yeah, can you share any other examples? They don't necessarily have to be from order ahead, but any other uh, examples of growth loop, which maybe you admire a lot? Um, I mean, so some, you know, other ones that are um, probably kind of famous or well-known uh, would be, you know, another type of growth loop would be kind of a viral one. 
Um, and so say Dropbox, right? Um, their kind of really famous thing was that, you know, they originally started with trying to do paid ads, um, but ended up, you know, paying a lot of money and not getting great customers from it. Um, and then, um, you know, a big part of their strategy after that was um, referrals, right? And they would, they would incentivize you to refer a friend by offering um, kind of free extra storage, Right. So you started out with the two gigabytes or whatever it was. Yeah. And then if you, in, you know, refer other friends, you can um, continue to get more and more um, yeah. storage space. Yeah. And that was something that was kind of great for them, I think, because for them, um, an extra gig is, you know, close to free mm-hmm. in terms of cost. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, it allowed them to kind of scale really, really quickly. That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, coming back to sort of that thought process, right? So as you're, as you're sort of trying to put together, hey, what should be the the next growth tactic or whatever that we should use for this company? So as you said, you're trying to find something which will have this growth loop. Um, anything mm-hmm. else? Like, are there any other elements that you think about? Um, I mean, I think one thing I would say is that, um, you know, you obviously want a growth loop, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to start out with that, right? Especially when you're, um, you know, an earlier stage startup and you're just getting started, right? I think at that stage, it's perfectly fine um, to do a lot of the things that are kind of more hustle-based, right? That may not be um, super scalable in the long term, but when you're getting that first, you know, 10, 20, 100 <laughs> users, yeah. um, a lot of times you're just willing to do whatever it takes, right? Yeah, Whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, bothering all your friends and family or, you know, standing on the street corner and um, handing out flyers <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, um, no, definitely. And so a lot of those things that can kind of feed in, that are kind of more hustle-based, um, that can feed into a growth loop, um, you know, I think are perfectly fine and everything as well. No, that makes sense. And it's it's good that you bring up the scalable uh, stuff, which is that um, when you mentioned that you have to go out and talk to merchants and try and sort of get a lot of merchants on your app. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. you need to have a lot of sales force, right? To actually go and speak with so many merchants. Like how, how did you reach yeah. out to them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I mean, sales is probably another kind of growth loop, mm-hmm. right? Um, that is... Uh, you know, that can be very scalable as well, as long as um, the payback um, on your, on your uh, you know, sales team is positive and whatever, you know, all, all the cost of all their time and everything um, is such that, you know, the, the, the users or the merchants or whatever it is that they're bringing in um, are more than making up for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So as someone who is working on growth, for a startup um Mm -hmm. so i you know you would identify that okay i think right now depending on whatever the company's overall strategy is at the moment whether we're looking to grow revenue or orders or something Mm -hmm. else what are the metrics that are used to assess the success of the individual himself or herself is it just like depending on whether you meet your goals or not the individual say like growth person yeah like so like for like yeah is shoji doing a good job or not Got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. uh, I, I think it's probably pretty related to the others, right? Um, you know, like I, I would say like the growth team as a whole, um, you know, your your mandate could be one of those growing one of those top line types of things, uh, revenue or whatever it is. Um, I think the other types of things that are going to be, you know, kind of big metrics or KPIs um, to stay on top of are, you know, one is that you um, 
you want to be on top of the quality of any user that you're bringing in, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm advertising on Facebook, right, it's it's one thing to bring in 100 new users, um, but it's obviously much better if they're great users who order a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. And and the kind of the, the main way that we measure that is, um, you know, via LTV or lifetime value I of see. those users, um, which is, you know, basically um, kind of a projection of um, over the lifetime of the user or, you know, through one year or whatever it is, um, how much they're going to kind of ch- contribute to the company. Right. right. Okay. Um, and the flip side of that is um, the cost of acquiring that user, the acquisition cost of acquiring that user. Um, and that is, you know, going to be very channel specific. Um, you know, on Facebook, it could cost X to acquire a user. Um, on other channels, it could be higher or lower. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you put those two together, like the LTV and um, uh, the the uh, you know CPA is like um, cost per acquisition. Um, it also goes also goes by other names out there, but um, say the CPA. Yeah. Um, then you get an idea of the ROI that you're getting is on it. it. Or um, in a lot of a common way that this is measured is in terms of payback period. Um, so, for example, a payback period of six months basically means that you know if it costs say ten dollars to acquire a user, that that user is going to make back ten dollars um after six months right 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 of being there yeah and um mm-hmm. no th- this is very helpful and um no i didn't mean to cut you off carry on and then i'll ask my question oh no i was i was done <laughs> okay yeah so what i was curious about is like you know when you hear about growth right it's a, at least the impression mm-hmm. that i have as someone who's not like sort of outside the system is that you know you're trying to like really achieve overnight growth right like every hour it's just like a couple of percentage points growth. I mean, obviously that's that's like an exaggeration a little bit, but mm. that is sort mm. of the impression, right? So, can you give us um, sort of an idea of uh, the the time period that we're talking about? So, like in your case, in order ahead's case, or generally in a startup like order ahead, um, what are the kind of goals you set for yourself? Like, hey, let's let's grow the number of orders by a hundred percent in like a week or two weeks, a month, mm. two months. What is what is it like? Hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a hard question to answer because it just really depends on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if if we could grow 100% a week, then uh, that would be amazing because after a year we would be uh, <laughs> I don't, huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Paul Graham bigger than Google or something. Yeah, no, but, I know. Um, no, I think Paul Graham uh, says that you should try and grow what five percent a week or something like that. So, yeah, something like that. And I think a lot of, uh, at least in um, Paul Graham's article, um, kind of blog post, a lot of that was for um, companies while they're NYC, I believe, right? Oh, I see. Um, okay. And so, you know, that's obviously a um, much earlier stage, usually. Yeah, it's probably um, like your base is also smaller, so it's more achievable. Um, exactly. And, actually, yeah. Yeah. and so, you know, obviously, um, you want to be growing quickly in a yeah. sustainable way. Yeah. Um, but what that means exactly, I think just really, just really depends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for our listeners, in case some, someone is not familiar with Paul Graham, he's the founder of Y Combinator. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess the other thing I wanted to also mm-hmm. ask you is that a lot of times we hear the term growth hacking. So is growth hacking the same as growth or is, is there a difference? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of different terms out there um, that are very similar, right? So you could have roles that are um, termed growth or growth hacking or marketing um, and, you know, a lot of other things. I think that um, 
I mean, it might help to start with, um, so say like several years ago, right? Um, before this, um, thing called the internet was a big thing. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the people that were basically doing this were called marketers, right? Um, and I think that the way it was done was very different. Um, a lot of what it meant was, um, like I would say like brand marketing. So if you think of a lot of the, um, kind of CPG companies, like say General Mills or something like that, right? Um, you're trying to sell cereal to people. Um, and the way you did it was by building a brand, right? So that could be, um, running television ads or um, things like that. And kind of the main channel that you sold a lot of this was through, um, you know, supermarkets or grocery stores. Um, so a lot of that, because of that, it was very much, um, I think, you know, at least relative to um, what growth is, a much more kind of creative type of pursuit. Right. Um, and, you know, once, um, you know, nowadays um, with kind of the internet and, and all this stuff, um, I think what happened was that a lot more of those things um, became much more measurable, right? So before when you're running a TV ad, um, it, it, it was much much more difficult to be able to um, say, you know, like this one ad, how much did it bring in um, in terms of new sales for cereal, right? Um, but then with, you know, say Google AdWords, you knew exactly that this one, um, you know, Google AdWords ad, um, brought in exactly this many clicks that led to this many uh, new purchases, right? I see. So what happened was that um, the whole growth marketing thing became just a lot more measurable. Um, it became a lot more optimizable because, um, you know, rather than, you know, also rather than kind of selling in a supermarket, you're selling online, for example, right. or like, you know, through your website or whatever it is. Um, and all of that can be optimized as well, right? So you can say, you know, exactly that if 100 people go to my website, how many people are going to look around, how many people are going to order. Um, and with all that data, um, you can measure and optimize basically everything. <laughs> um, and uh, I think because of that, the skill set that was kind of optimal for it became a little bit different as well. Um, I think it became a little bit more of an um, analytical right. kind of pursuit right. relative to the you know creative. Right. Um, and I think... And, um, you know, a lot of what happened was that you can optimize the product and be able to test the product. So say like if it's a website, yeah. um, you know, say it's Facebook, right? Um, and you want to get a lot of people to go there. You can continually test to make sure that you're optimizing it for getting, for signing up a lot of users. Yeah. Um, so with all that, I think you, um, you kind of got new terms for, what used to be called marketing. Um, so I think that, you know, growth hacking, the connotation at least uh, when I hear it is much more, um, you know, kind of in between, I would say like marketing and like product and data, I see. right? So you, the goal is the same, but um, with growth hacking, you know, you're often looking for, you're often getting people who are more closer to engineers in a lot of way. Um, who are trying to, um, you know, say like hack the product and optimize the product to be able to um, um, get as many, you know, new users um, and all that. Um, and then the, the aspect of it that is, you know, more focused on um, paid ads um, through things like AdWords, um, a lot of times that's called, you know, say performance marketing um, as opposed to kind of brand marketing. I see. Right? Okay. Okay. This mm -hmm. is a very, very 
wow, this this was very very helpful. I have never heard that before. So, but this really sort of <laughs> makes it clear in my mind, which is that. So, what you're saying is that growth hacking is much more on the product side. It's closer on the product side, where you might be figuring out things that you can do within the product itself, which helps mm-hmm. you get more users. So, I, I guess the Dropbox example that you shared, would you say that's growth hacking? Um, where they're optimizing for referrals. Yeah, where yeah. I mean, I, I think I mean growth hacking. To be honest, is more of like a colloquial type of term, right? Um, and so I would say that it, it's something that a growth hacker probably could do or would do. Mm. Um, but the person who's doing it could at another company might be called growth. It might be called marketing. Right. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of those terms um, these days are kind of interchangeable, and it just really. Uh, depends on the company. Yeah, I know. And so, yeah, I mean, most companies would have like either growth or marketing, but there are definitely companies as well that have both. That have both. Um, and yeah. I, yeah, and I think at those, um, the marketing might imply more along like the branding or like PR side. I see. And the growth side might imply more on the um, performance marketing or like. Uh, growth hacking type of side. I see. Okay. This is very, very yeah. helpful. And uh, th- th- you said one thing which kind of brought another question to my mind, which is that growth as a function has now become much more analytical uh, and because mm-hmm. you can now measure things, mm-hmm. right? And you mentioned that how you run a lot of Facebook ads and a bunch of other paid advertising to try and get users uh, that are high value. You want them to be paying a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So can you share examples of maybe some interesting experiments you ran or maybe something unexpected you learned when you ran these Facebook ads? Because I'm sure sometimes you got like a whole bunch of duds, you might call them. And then sometimes you you got really high paying users. So can you share some examples? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, so the, the I guess the, the great thing and the challenging thing about, say, Facebook or AdWords or, any, or, or a lot of the other um, ad networks is that um, the degree to which you can target a user is um, there's so many different dimensions for it, right? Um, especially if you compare it to, say, TV advertising, right? Where um, you can choose from a lot of different types of channels or um, TV programs um, that have different types of audiences. But if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna have one, you're gonna get a certain type of user. But Facebook, you can go down to um, just everything. Right, I know. <laughs> um, A sorry? gender. No, I'm saying I, I'm agreeing with you that you I mean you can select age, gender, which city they live in, what school they went to, like so many different things you can select. Yeah, you can do that kind of thing. You can get at um, you know estimates of their household income. You can get at you can say target people who like uh, you know Taylor Swift, for example, or say t- yeah. t- people who like Taylor Swift who are 25 to 30, <laughs> who are female, who live in um, you know San Francisco. Um, and have like bought a house or something like yeah. that, right? Um, so the the degree to which you can target is um, is crazy, um, and it's it's great um, because you know when you're trying to find an audience for um, your product, you can get at exactly who is the perfect kind of user for mm-hmm. it, right? But um, you know, trying to get at that and trying to figure out who that is. Um, is an ongoing thing as well, right? And you're continually kind of experimenting with that. Yeah. Um, and you're also continually experimenting with, you know, for that given target audience, um, what kind of, you know, creative and what kind of copy do I want to use for them as well? Right. right? So when you see that Facebook ad, like what is the photo or the picture going to be? What is it going to say? 
Um, oh man, like I'm so a, curious. It's kind now. of continually tested. Mm? Yeah, I'm so curious. You have to give us an example. Like, give us an example of something that worked, and give us an example of something that didn't work. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you a couple examples from um, my days at Kiwi um, that are kind of interesting. So, um, you know, while I was there, we were, uh, you know, trying to advertise games, right? And a lot of of the games were um, Farmville types of games, right? So these are games that tend to attract um, kind of this stereotype, at least, is kind of like middle-aged, like, um, moms in the Midwest say, right. Um, and you know, we're trying to figure out how can we, how can we, you know, really get them to, to click on this ad and to download, um, the game. Right. And, you know, in the, in, in the, uh, in the beginning days of Facebook, it was super easy um, when Facebook was just getting started because not a lot of people had discovered it. Mm-hmm. And you could run any ad and it would just do great. But um, but like any channel out there, any growth channel out there, over time, um, you know, more and more people discover it, more and more people get on it, and it becomes harder and harder right. um, to be able to um, do really well with yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the number of users you get goes down or the cost goes up. Or usually both. Um, so you continually have to experiment with different things um, to try to get their attention. So an, an example of something that we what, that we did was that um, you know we would say that um, you know we have this game that attracts a lot of um, kind of like moms in the Midwest, right? Um, <clears throat> and what are other things that that they might like? right uh-huh. that they might be attracted to right and uh maybe this is, this is a little uh <laughs> no, controversial <I> <laughs> but uh but uh, one thing that came up to us uh was um you know a lot of the same types of people um might like romance novels okay right yeah um you know like those like those romance novels you see at the bookstore yeah, yeah so yeah. it was like what if we created ads featuring our our you know the characters in the game that have that kind of feel to it that have like that look like it was the cover of one of those romance novels yeah Uh, um and uh it was you know we we would have some of these like out there kind of ideas that um a lot of them would uh kind of be duds but it was one that at least for a little while uh did really did really well um and um brought in a lot of users yeah um and then after a while we it kind of um it didn't work as well anymore Mm -hmm. but um another another type of one that we did uh for a similar type of game was um you know one major thing you're trying to do with an ad is just really get their attention right because they're looking at you know they're on facebook they're looking at um updates from all their friends a lot of photos and tons of ads all the time so you just want something that's going to kind of catch their attention that's going to um hopefully be relevant as well um and so one thing that we did was um there's these games called hidden object games i don't okay. know if you've heard of them but no. basically the point of them is that um there's um you're trying to like find hidden objects in the game okay right so you know for example it'd be like oh there's like a top hat like go find it yeah yeah um and then you know it's kind of like world's like a where's waldo type of thing yeah, yeah yeah um so what we would do is that um we had a game like that um and we'd use some of the artwork from there and make an ad out of it that would just say you know that would say like oh can you find the top hat on here 
right? And it's one of those, and we weren't even advertising oh. a um, hidden objects game. We were advertising a completely different type of game. Okay. But it's just one of those things that um, got people's attention and got them wanted to try to find it. That, and that then is, as a result, yeah. they ended up yeah. clicking on it. Yeah, that is a great, great example. And I mean, I guess my follow-up question to that is, I mean, these mm. are really creative ideas, right? I, I, I mean, mm. I, I don't think that I could come up with that mm sort of immediately only if i thought really hard maybe probably not right so then does it mean that if you're in growth you have to sort of be that not only analytical but you have to have that creative side to you where you sort of come up with these quirky ideas i think there's definitely an aspect of that um where um you know a big part of growth is um the analytical side um but the creative side does matter a lot as well um, whether it's ads or whether it's, uh, you know, email content or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm giving you examples that worked. <laughs> we also did a lot that, uh, that definitely didn't work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't know it until we tried it. And um, in hindsight, you know, I'm sure we had a lot of uh, just really dumb ideas. But um, I think there's, I think, one process to try to um, figure out how to get users um, or how to attract them or what kind of channels to go after is to, you know, say like, if you, if you know who your target user is, Mm. right. Um, And you know, you have like a very kind of specific profile of that person. Mm. um, Then if you can think through um, everything else that that person might be doing in a given day, right. From the moment they wake up to um, just the moment they go to sleep, Mm. like basically what are they doing? Um, You know, are they, what kind of apps are they using? Where are they kind of walking around? What kind of storage are they going to? Um, then if you kind of, um, kind of, that's kind of a way to structure it because then you can see for every single different type of thing that this user is doing, is there a way that, um, that we can try to get in front of them? right? And I advertise see. our product. I see. I see. So you would yeah. use that information. You would identify what are those other activities and then sort of try and get into their attention span during mm-hmm. those other activities. So if I read romance right. no- novels, I don't know, go to a go to a romance novel bookstore maybe, or like you said, you use the picture in the ad or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either to use that thing. Um, so, you know, if there was a way to advertise in a romance novel bookstore, I suppose, yeah. or yeah. Um, to kind of leverage that as um, something on another, you know, right. a lot of them will use Facebook as well, right? Yeah, that's that's very, very helpful. Okay, all right. Yeah, so then tell us that in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in growth? The most interesting aspects? Um, let's see. So I think one cool thing about it um, is that you're continually um, this is, a, I guess, a cool thing about it and also a potentially a frustrating thing yeah. about it as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with growth, I think you're, there's always a balancing act, right, of you have channels that you know that work, right? And with those, you're just trying to exploit them and to just continually do them and get as much juice or um, users or whatever out of them as much as possible, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, you're continually exploring new channels as well, right, and experimenting with right. new things like. Yeah. That may or may not work. Um, so on that side of things, it's it's kind of cool because you can you're continually having to think about that and test new things. Um, and the you know potentially frustrating aspect of that is that a lot of them don't work. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but that that part is really cool um i think a, another cool thing about it is that um you know c- because your mandate is helping to grow like the company and user base and all that um it becomes something that's very top of mind for um, the entire company right so yeah. you know including the ceo that's true. um so in in that sense it's just it's very aligned with that and you you know that um you know, kind of your goal and your mandate is, is, right. is the company's goal and the company's mandate. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, in terms of helping to make that happen, um, growth is a team that's very focused on that, but you know, at the same time, it's every, every team that's really contributing to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can have the great, the greatest growth strategy in the world, but, um, if the product isn't there, um, <laughs> if there's not great yeah. product market fit, yeah. then it's it's not going to work, right? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, if you had a great product, uh, it can probably grow on its own um, it's, as well. That's, well. And so growth, yeah. growth is really just trying to be, um, I guess, a multiplier on the product and how, you know, yeah. so if you take a great product, um, you know, you, you can, it'll probably do well on its own, but if growth can be a multiplier on top of that, then that's even better. Yeah, then it just accelerates it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those those are great points, and I and uh, you you mentioned the risk taking thing, right? That more sort of like you should be someone who's willing to experiment, and that so that you know that's another quality that that I guess if you're in growth, you should be sort of okay with, which is that you're not someone who just sort of wants to do one thing. You know, I'm not I'm not okay with trying a whole bunch of things, knowing that nine out of ten times those things will not work out. Like you have to be okay with experimentation and trying all kinds of wacky ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Because the thing about even if you have um, a channel or a couple of channels that work really well, um, it's sort of inevitable that the the returns on those channels is going to um, kind of decay over time. Right. Right. Because, you know, for example, like I mentioned earlier with Facebook, um, it was a great, great channel for us, um, you know, a few years ago when it was newer um, on mobile. Hmm. Um, but then after a while, like now, for example, um, everybody's there, you know, everybody's yeah. trying Facebook. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really hard to get, um, you know, you're going to get kind of like a, kind of a market <laughs> return on it. Um, but not more than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then you have to look for like, what is the next thing? Um, and what that next thing is and how you can exploit it is going to be, um, kind of dependent on what your product is. That's um, but then you have to be continually looking at, you know, new platforms that are emerging um, yeah. and new ways that people are doing things and all that. Yeah. I mean, as someone who is in growth, do you have your eye on any platform that you think is underexploited right now? Underexploited right now? Um, or like new and emerging that you think could become big later? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to put uh, you on the spot, but, you know, in case you have something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are things like, you know, for example, one that's uh, it, it, a lot of this really depends on um, the what what kind of product you're trying to uh, sell, right? Or what kind of users you're trying to acquire. So for something like the types of games we're producing, um, something like Pinterest, right, where it was a similar type, it's a similar type of um, user base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Pinterest also tends right. to skew female, um, then, and that's something that's kind of um, just merging and getting kind of bigger, right? And then, you know, prior, you know, then you can also get to the very, very speculative um, types of things, like, you know, for example, a lot of um, 
you know, like chatbots, for example, right, uh-huh, yeah. um, is something where it could become a big channel for a lot of brands and companies and something that some uh, products and companies are starting to uh, experiment with. Yeah. But um, it might also be a little bit early for that. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And then are there any aspects about this job that you find very challenging? Um, well, you mentioned a few, like, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that a bunch of stuff doesn't work out. So I guess you have to be okay with it. But um. yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's challenging. I think, um, the fact that even when you find something great, that it's going to work, but it might not work as well for, for forever. Yeah. Right. So then the pressure's on to find the next thing. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of it, you have, you do have to start with a great product as well. Right. And the product is one thing where, um, you know, I think being in like a growth role or a marketing role, um, you might have a lot of opinions about it because you are interfacing with, um, the customer a lot or trying to go after the customer and have a good understanding of them. But at the same time, um, you know, you can influence the product, right. By, by talking to the product team and all that. But, um, end of the day, it's not, you know, your domain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, balancing that's um, a little bit that, tough as well. Th- yeah, that's a great point. And I was going to ask you because like, a lot of this stuff, the execution is actually not being done by the growth guys. It's being done by either the sales team or the mm-hmm. marketing team or the product team. And mm-hmm. so you yourself might be very open with exper- mm-hmm. to many, very open to doing experiments, mm-hmm. but then the product team has to implement those experiments. So they might not be very happy with it always. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one thing where, um, a lot of that really depends on the company. So, you know, some companies, especially bigger companies, they would have um, a lot of PMs that are product managers that are focused on growth only. I see. Right? Okay. So they would have their product managers that are focused on the core product. Um, and then their product managers are solely focused on optimizing the product for growth. Oh, gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, so when you have something like that, then it becomes a little bit easier. Um, if you don't have that kind of um, team, and if you know you're the growth person and you're relying on kind of the more generalist product manager to implement your ideas, yeah. then there, there there can be a tension, right? Yeah. I mean, end of the day, your uh, goals are aligned because they are they should be the company's goals. But there's always a tension between you know kind of one feature that's going to help grow, and then like say another thing that's going to create you know a better user experience, mm. um, and. Uh, you know, balancing that's, um, it can be a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a great, can you share an example of that? Like something which would help you grow, but may not be the best user experience? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, there, there are a lot of things out there that are, that can be say very spammy, right? So if you think back, it's not as common now, but, um, a lot of the, um, apps or websites before that, um, you know, you'd be in the sign up flow. And then before you know it, you kind of like accidentally emailed your entire contact book um, <laughs> and, you know, telling them all about this great product that you've oh, been right. using and, yeah, yeah. and telling them to sign up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the type of thing that um, definitely in the short term is going to help growth, yeah, yeah. right? Because you're getting out to a lot of people. But, um, you know, at the same time, I would say that that's probably uh, not a great user experience, especially yeah. when you're doing it um you're, they're kind of um, tricking you into into doing no, it. No, for right? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of users. I mean, I guess now users are smart enough that when they see that 
there. It's like, sorry, I'm not, I'm not interested in trying on this app anymore. But uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, th- there's things like that that clearly are bad for the user experience. But then there's a lot of others that are not necessarily bad for the user experience. But um, you know, a given engineer only has so much time. So if they're spending a week with this uh, kind of growth experiment, mm. um, it's it's a week that they're not spending on making the core product better. That's right. True. Okay. Um, and you know, especially because um, that growth feature or whatever it is um, may not even work. Right. Yeah. So it's, you're talking about making a trade-off. Uh, you know, are you trying to make the product better or focusing more on growth? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And have you seen people make any common mistakes in this um, role? I guess. Any common mistakes? Um, I think that one common probably thing um, could be, well, two things. Um, I think one is getting probably too hung up on tactics rather than thinking about how to create like a growth machine or a growth loop, right? So, you know, growth is very experimental um, and you want to be able to create like kind of a good growth machine for it, right? A good process and system for continually testing things um, and continually optimizing um, the product and the different channels you have, right? And if you have that down, if you have a good system for it and a good process for it, the different tactics will come from it, I think, right? Um, But um, I think one mistake that people can do is rather than trying to hone that down and get that down solid, they might go straight to like, what are all these tactics I can try? I see. Right. So, you know, like all these other companies are doing these things, like, let's just try all these. So can you share an example uh, of a system versus a tactic? What's a system and what's a tactic? Yeah. So, I mean, a system can be, um, you know, for example, you want to have, um, you know, like a good growth roadmap, right. Of all the different, um, re- a place where you can put down all the different ideas about things that could help you grow. And then you might want to be able to score them to say that, oh, this, you know, this idea, um, it has the potential to have huge impact, right? But maybe the probability is really low and maybe the cost in terms of, um, you know, it could be dollar cost or it could be like an engineer's time kind of cost. Mm-hmm. It could be really high or really low. Um, and then you have that and you have a lot of other potential experiments, right? Um, and with all of those, you want to be able to, um, you know, assess the cost and the potential benefit. And then based on those two things, figure out, you know, what is the most um, optimal thing to, to do right I now, see. right? I see. Okay, so instead of randomly um, going after, like, you know, attacking various tactics and seeing what will work, you have a, an approach to figuring out which one to go after. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then having um, a good kind of like analytical system or way to measure what's working and what's not, right? Because yeah. um, if, if you aren't able to measure it and say that, uh, you know, this experiment worked or didn't work because um, it brought in X users at, you know, Y cost, um, and, you know, the cost proposition was whatever, $10 or whatever it was, um, and then be able to say, okay, but, you know, each of those users, um, maybe, maybe it brought in a lot of users, right, at $10 each, but all those users really sucked, yeah. right? Yeah. And only ever, you know, paid a dollar, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, then it's probably um, maybe not a great channel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, at the same time, it's, there's always, uh, it's always tough to, to know you know, maybe it can be a good channel. Maybe you just have to optimize it a little bit more. 
right? Right. So knowing, uh, like, is it more about tweaking certain things or just getting out of that channel altogether? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and so you're always doing that, and at the same time, you know, you are. Um, there's a cost to all these firms as well, right? So if it's paid advertising, you know, every time you're running a test campaign, it's going to cost real money. Um, and obviously, if it's um, something that's more effort based, it's you know taking time your time or an engineer's time or someone else's time. Right. Um, so I think it's uh, because of that, um, you know, both of those things, time and money are finite um, and you want to make sure that you're uh, utilizing them both um, yeah. well. Yeah, it's a tough job. It sounds like a very tough job. Um, and is there a, a, a sort of a typical career path? So let's say you join a startup in growth do you sort of stay in growth or do you eventually go into marketing? How does that happen? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's one um, kind of career path. I think that, you know, there probably are people who start in growth and then, um, you know, stay in growth and might stay as a growth generalist mm-hmm. for their career. Um, and at some point that might, you know, their title might be marketing. Right. Um, you know, probably the, if you're at the very top, then you might be the, the chief marketing officer of a company. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of other people who end up specializing a little bit. Right. I think particularly if you're going to go to a bigger company to have, that has like a huge growth team. Right. And each person is more specialized. So in that sense, you might be focused on, you know, maybe you're like a growth person, but you're only doing, um, you know, paid advertising for a couple of different channels, or you're just focused on um, email marketing, for example, or you're um, a PM of growth, right? And your job is optimizing um, kind of the the initial user flow and then sign up flow and all that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, ways to kind of specialize a little bit as well, particularly if you're at a, a bigger company that has a bigger team. Um, it's probably also true that um, just this whole growth thing is relatively new. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to say that there's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of one career path. Yeah, it's not stable yet. And I, and I see a lot of people become growth consultants, like they offer their services to other startups who, who are looking for some sort of uh, like, you know, accelerated growth. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Um, I think growth lends itself pretty well to, to, to that kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly probably if you're a company that's um, a, a smaller startup, right? And you might be, you know, just at that um, or just getting at that kind of product market fit um, yeah. kind of place. Yeah. Um, and you're starting to think about, um, you know, stepping on the gas pedal a little bit, but maybe you're not ready yet to, to hire a dedicated growth person, right? Um, so that might be a place where, you know, they're uh, they're like, oh, maybe I'll kind of hire a growth consultant so, too. Yeah to start to experiment with this, right? And if it works well, then um, then that's when I'll hire a dedicated person or a dedicated team. Right, right. All right, yeah, so th- this is great so far, Shoji. I just have a few more questions from the point of view of someone who might be interested in exploring growth as a potential career option. So mm-hmm. um, in your opinion, what kind of person do you think would really enjoy working as a growth manager? Um, yeah, so I think... <sighs> The person who's going to really enjoy it, um, you know, one, I think that it is a role that um, that marries the the analytical aspect of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's big on the analytical side, but then also has a lot of aspects of, you know, the creative side, um, like we mentioned before, um, and then also the product side, 
right? Um, and having a good um, product sense and sense for um, what's going to be good for the user. Right. Um, and then the last one I think is sort of like a business sense, right? Because a lot of, um, you know, the goal for the growth is very aligned with the business as a whole. Um, so having a good grasp of like what makes business sense as well. So it's like kind of the analytical, the product, um, the creative and the business side, um, being, being able to marry all that. Um, another thing is the, um, you know, someone who's just very experimental, has an experimental mm-hmm. mindset right. and both doesn't mind and probably likes, um, you know, taking some of that risk. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it means uh, failing a lot in different experiments, even yeah. if it means um, potentially, um, you know, trying something that loses a lot of money, <laughs> right? Um, you want to be taking good educated bets. Um, but at the same time, you know, you kind of know that um, a decent amount of them are not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, that, that that's a great list. So, I mean, it, it almost sounds like this is someone who is sort of, I won't say jack of all trades, but you you sort of have a good understanding of pretty much all functions, right? You, you, you mentioned business, you mentioned the product, uh, you know, you have to have an analytical side as well as a creative side. So is there something like a typical background for this role? Um, I think so. There's probably, um, you know, there's people who get into growth um, at a younger kind of age and there's probably people who um you know if you're trying to hire somebody at a more senior level um i would say the more junior level a lot of um probably a common background that growth teams might look for um well one is obviously people who work in growth um somewhere else right but beyond that um it, it could be a lot of people who um have like an analytical background or degree and then did things such as say consulting, management consulting, or like finance or investment banking before. I see. Right. Someone that they know who's like analytical, but then, you know, generally uh, smart, capable and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the more kind of senior levels, um, a lot of it's probably going to end up being people who um, worked in a, you know, growth or similar type of role um, somewhere else previously. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's say someone listens to your podcast and they say, hey, you know what, I think this is very interesting. I want to understand it a little bit more. Are there any resources that you can recommend in terms of just helping, let's say someone wants to just learn more about this job and maybe Uh even for, you know, later on, uh, potentially for interviews, perhaps any good resources that you might recommend? Um, Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, there's, there's some material out there. Um, in terms of blogs and things like that. Okay. Um, a couple that are, you know, relatively uh, popular. Um, you know, one is growthhackers.com. Okay. Um, another is um, there's a pretty well-known blogger um, named Andrew Chen who blogs about growth. I see. Um, and he has a blog that, you know, a lot of the articles are about that as well. Um, and beyond that, um, I think there's some, I'm sure there's some books about it. Um, I can't name any off the top of my head, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's, I think there's a lot of, uh, like random articles and random materials <laughs> kind of out there online about it. No, I'm um, sure. I, I, you know, I think beyond that, um, I think it's definitely really helpful to talk to as many people as possible, right. um, who are in the role. Um, I mean, I think that's generally true, but particularly with growth, because a lot of experiences can be, um, very different. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have a certain like experience and certain perspective. 
um, which is true for me, but, um, you know, other people's experience and other jobs that are out there might be very, um, very different just because the company is different and how they do things are different. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's a great point that not only should you read about it, uh, go talk to people, potentially try and help out a startup if possible, you know, for free and see what the role is like. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think really, um, I think growth lends itself pretty well to that as well. You know, um, you know, if you kind of need a foot in the door, if you kind of need experience, um, it's something where um, more so than I think some other roles, you can kind of get in there and, you know, say, try something for a company, right? And try to um, make a certain channel work. Um, and in the meantime, get, uh, you know, pretty good experience from that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my one of my questions was that, uh, you know, it, it's a very, very competitive market. Uh, especially if mm. you're trying for a growth role in Silicon Valley. Um, is there any way that a candidate can stand out in that process when they're even trying to get an interview? Um, I think having um, some kind of experience in it um, is going to be helpful, right? Um, especially if, you know, if you're, um, say, a junior person who has work experience, but it's not in growth. Um, you know, if I know that you, you know, even if it was say an unpaid internship or unpaid project, um, if you had done something with a company, I think that's helpful because it says that, you know, one that, um, it kind of shows that you're interested in it. Right. Um, two, it is going to be relevant experience and help you, um, understand, like get, at least get a taste for what growth is and whether you might um, really like it or not. Yeah. Um, so I think that is definitely there. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned like the type of background that might be helpful, kind of an analytical background, um, and having work experience that kind of demonstrates that. Um, and I think beyond that, just, uh, you know, doing your best to kind of get in front of the right companies, whether it's via networking, networking your way in there. Um, I I think a lot of times, um, you know, one type of thing that, that might be helpful is um, having um, come up with different growth ideas for a given company, right? Oh, I see. Um, and sharing it with them. Um, Interesting. You know, I think it's definitely something where if, if somebody did that to me and, you know, they were good ideas, that that would be kind of impressive. Oh, so like, let's say I want a job at, let's say I want a job at Order Ahead. I would email let's say shoji and i would not only send my resume but sort of list these five ideas that i think can be interesting to consider for growth at order ahead right right yeah because i mean growth is a type of thing where um even from the outside um if you look around enough you can kind of get a sense for what the company's strategy is hmm. or at least what the kind of kind of the core pieces of that are um and that can help inform you know maybe there's other things that they can do um, that are going to be interesting. No, it's, it's a great point that you bring up because in my recent podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Jennifer Royer on product marketing, she mentioned the mm-hmm. same thing that a lot of times, you know, candidates will reach out. And it's one thing to say that, hey, you know, I want a job at Order Ahead. That's it. Can I, can I chat with you? And it's <laughs> another thing to say that I want a job at Order Ahead. By the way, these are like five things that you can consider. Or, I, you know, I read this about Order Ahead. It's very interesting these are my thoughts on it. I want to chat about it because that just means that you're, it just demonstrates some sort of interest and helps you stand out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And of course, coming up with those does take some time and some research, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does help um, you stand out. Yeah. Yeah. 
okay all right thanks a lot shoji this is very very helpful i mean i you, you shared so many different examples and like sort of real life stories from your work experience so this is very very helpful is there any other advice you'd like to share with anyone who is considering this role you know i, I think it's just really um you know like i mentioned before talk to a lot of people um get a good sense for what it is um you know, try to work on projects or internships or whatever it is to get a grasp. But that's, you know, I think that's advice for growth or for really any okay. other career out there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, really this, this podcast that you're putting together, um, really is right in that <laughs> and is probably, I'm sure helping a lot of people do that. Um, um, that's and so, yeah, head. I think that would, um, <laughs> Just be my other advice. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Shoji. And uh, I took a lot of your time on your vacation, but enjoy your time in LA. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. All right. So that was Shoji on growth in tech. I really hope you enjoyed today's discussion and found it helpful. And of course, if you have any questions at all for Shoji or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com. You can also tweet at us at LED underscore curator. You can check out our website at www.learneducatediscover.com where you'll find a list of all the past episodes that we've done. If you enjoy the podcast if you find it helpful you can subscribe to the show on itunes or soundcloud or stitcher or whatever your preferred player of choice is simply search for learn educate discover and hit subscribe and while you're at it leave us a review it really really means a lot you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn educate discover if you like the page you'll start getting great updates on all the awesome awesome stuff we are putting together for you guys right there in your facebook newsfeed So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.